I took my little brother to spring break one year. <laughs> like, all his friends had graduated. He had no friends at Akron. So he's like, me and my brother took him to, he got his first spring break in Panama City. I was old as hell. <laughs> I had to be like, damn near 30. <laughs> but we went there, we went to Panama City and they played this on repeat. That Tiger, they had it on. I, I was just like, and it was almost like they would play it and you would just get up and you'd be like, up, oh, that means it's time to drink. <laughs> and that, that man Chris Brown and uh surpassed both Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson for the most number one uh hits on the Billboard 100s of all time. By the way, hey, put it in that comment section. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at gbush91. I'm gonna throw this out there, man. Who you got in the verses, Usher or Chris Brown? Because this, listen, I might have to miss work for that one. <laughs> I'm at the miss work for that one. Let's go to the North Stage Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and bring in John Costco or Pro Football Focus. What's up, Costco? What up, G Bush? How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. If you had to, if you want to see one versus, do you first of all let me just get you uh, culturally appropriated here? Do you know what versus is? Versus? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay, versus is is a uh, versus is a. A uh, sort of, uh, it's like a concert series where basically you get two artists, two producers, or bands, or whatever the case may be, uh, and they they take turns trading off their hits. Every each person get twenty songs to pick, and you go back and back and forth and forth, and you perform the songs, and then um, basically people will write in and tell you um, who had the best, uh, who had the best set, who who performed the best, and who had the best songs. Okay. Now, who would you, if you had a versus, who would you like to see? What two uh, individuals would you like to see uh, take on each other with their catalog of music? Uh, I don't know. Let's see here. I'm thinking, I, I'm a, I like rock. Yeah. So, like, maybe Metallica. And, uh, oh, who stands up with Metallica? I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe. Uh, That's kind of rough. It's rough. Nobody. I don't know how many bands could stand up to like Metallica. About Guns uh, N' Roses or something, man. Yeah, Guns N' Roses. I think would be a good one to stand up to that. Queen, maybe. Do yeah. do the two 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 different eras. Yeah. Queen versus Metallica. Right. There we go. Yeah. See, and, and they try to get it in the same battle. Yeah, they try to get it in the same era, but but now um, you have been educated what uh, what versus is. You're, you're welcome to ask your friends that too uh, at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Will do, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let, let's get to this, man. Um, you know, we got this situation right, and I kind of got into this argument with with a lot of different people, um, and they were talking about Deshaun Watson, obviously, um, and they're talking about okay, how good is he? Is he elite? And then we started going into the further uh, application of it. And somebody said, and I, and a lot of people think like this. Somebody was like, being elite doesn't mean you can have five guys in an elite. To him, you have to have elite mean top three. And, and I, the way I looked at it, I said, you can have a bunch of people that are very good. They just have all different skill sets, right? Some people may have a bigger arm. Some people may be more accurate. Some people have that that moxie. Some people have uh, pocket presence. Some people just make plays when it counts. Some people have better athleticism, right? So I, I think that you can all be elite, but you know you got a situation where you might like somebody's skill set a little more than another person's skill set. It's a preference thing. When you talk about elite quarterbacks, 
uh, and a lot of them in the AFC. Um, how do you how do you rank the quarterbacks in the AFC in terms of ranking and whether or not a person is elite? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. And elite me to, is you're playing at a consistently high level, and I don't look at it as a, from a traits aspect because yeah, you can have a guy like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes who have elite arm strength, and they can probably throw it from lots of different platforms. Um, but like Josh Allen, he could do that his first two years in the league and he was playing at a really poor level and he's really improved that the past two years, he's getting to that elite level. To me, elite level is like, you've got to be at that sustained top five type quarterback play. You you don't, you know, every single time you go out on that field, you, you know that that guy is going to uh, be able to produce. That's like the Tom Brady, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning type Drew Brees, where every single year, those guys were consistently the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, so for me, like you, you got, I think Patrick Mahomes is in that category right now uh, in in the AFC. Um, you know, you could you could say that Josh Allen is is making that case to be into that elite level category um, because he's. You know, I think the past few years he's really exploded into that uh, MVP type of, of level of play. I really think those are probably as of right now you could definitively say that those guys are are playing at an elite level. Um, because of their, 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 a you got at least two years of, of level of play at that uh, elite, I'd say elite level, um, and then you got Justin Burrow or Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow who are, <laughs> right. are you know getting into that category too. I think that Deshaun Watson he had a uh, an elite level year, but the thing is you also need to back that up with uh, you know your team performing as well. So I think um, you get you need to get that that team success along with your individual success and doing that at a high level where every time you go on the field, you, you fear that guy on the other side, on the, behind the, the center. Let me ask you this question. We, we, de- we definitely, we used to do the um, Browns preview and we talked about it all the time um, last year during the season where, you know, there was just some games Baker Mayfield just didn't give you an opportunity to win. It was just like, you know, the, the, the certain gimme throws, uh, the throws that you needed to make, we never seemed to get them. The fourth quarter comeback ability, we that was just basically non-existent. We saw that one time against the Bengals um, where he was able to drive his team down and, and put himself in position to, to win. When you look at it, a lot of people don't. When you when you get Deshaun Watson, obviously we live in Cleveland. You're not watching him every day, right? Um, at his best, how good is Deshaun Watson? I, he He's a top three quarterback at his best. And he showed that in in 2020, uh, he had one of the worst defenses you could imagine, and, and a pretty poor offensive line, um, and had just lost his, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and he was able to put up a, you know, a touchdown to interception ratio of five to one, uh, almost 5,000 yards. Um, and he's putting up, you know, 30, 30 points a game, and his defense is giving up, giving up 40 points a game. Um, he was our you know, number two graded quarterback that year, um, and going into 2021, he, you know, from a from a data and analytics standpoint, he, he had him. We had him as the number two quarterback in the NFL, uh, and then from a, you know, from a, a football, you know, rankings perspective, we had him number five. So he's he's that type of player that he's a difference maker at the position. Uh, you talk about you know, being able to execute when things are not ideal. So. A lot of schemes open up 
you know, receivers for the quarterback, and it makes it easy for them to just throw it to that open receiver. And, and pretty much every quarterback can do that. But the, the difference makes, uh, you know, for a quarterback is when, when his uh, receiver is not open uh, and maybe the pocket isn't as, as clean, what can you execute? And Deshaun Watson's, you know, top three type guy at that, in, um, of executing when situations were not ideal. So being able to rise above and elevate the team when, when the situation isn't ideal is something that Deshaun Watson is able to do, uh, which proved last year, you know, Baker Mayfield. And, and even, even in 2020, when things weren't ideal, Baker did struggle. Um, and so he, you know, it's shown out. We have a new article that just came out yesterday about being able to execute when situations are not ideal. Deshaun Watson over the past three years, number three on that list, Baker Mayfield's bottom eight. Wow. That, 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 that paints the picture that, you know, you kind of look at, um, that a lot of people talked about in terms of Baker Mayfield, what he is and what he isn't. Um, talking to uh, John Costco in the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, of course he's with Pro Football Focus, talking about the quarterbacks in the AFC, um, leading with Deshaun Watson. Now let's talk, for me, I also look at the way this thing plays out um, in the offense. Now, you know, I see these rankings and I see, you know, people, I, I think this has to bear in mind, it has to something, something to do with the allegations, um, it definitely has something to do with, um, you know, just basically we don't know when he's going to play, how many games he's going to play, and he sat out a year, right? So I can get that the people aren't just gushing all over the Cleveland Browns because there is a lot of question marks in terms of uh, how is he going to play or perform, how many games is he going to be out, things like that. I get it. But when I look at, you know, when people talk about offense, I, I just think when you pair uh, with what Deshaun Watson can do in terms of extending plays, um, you know, movement in the pocket, um, looking at still, you know, when he looks to run, he's still keeping his eyes downfield in order to, to make the big play. And just his, his overall ability as a quarterback, when you pair that with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the Browns running game, I just think it's—I mean—a whole lot of things just can open up for you. Um, with those two combined, what are the things that you are looking for um, in the Browns' offense, and, and some of the things that they'll be able to do that they weren't able to do in the past with Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be able to open up the playbook and just run a lot of different type of schemes. Some one thing that you didn't see a lot from the Browns was was running plays out of shotgun. Um, because Baker's just not really a, a threat to run the ball, so you're not you're not doing like the zone read stuff out uh, out of shotgun. Uh, so one thing that you'll you probably see is 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 more shotgun runs and pistol uh, formation, something that we haven't seen from uh, Kevin Skafansky's offenses in, in either in uh, Minnesota and in Cleveland is running running pistol. Uh, so one that's one thing is is being able to run it from that formation. It kind of just another wrinkle that the the defense has to account for um, passing aspect. You're, you're going to probably see a lot more 11 personnel out there as opposed to, you know, the, the heavy tight end sets that we've seen from the fancy. We'll still see those because that's, you know, that's part of uh, his bread and butter of, of that outside zone scheme uh, running in 12 and 13 personnel when you got, you know, two or three tight ends out there. But what you're going to see is a lot more 11 personnel and, and all the most efficient offenses in the NFL run uh, heavy, heavy set, uh, heavy 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, you know, one tight end, one running back. So you're going to see uh, probably spreading the field. You're going to probably see a lot of things that the, the Rams like to do where, um, you know, you get, you get the, you know, your slot guy in, in a bunch formation, being able to do a lot of play action off of that, 
which also stresses the defense a lot too. So uh, when you when you can vary your formations and not make yourself predictable, it makes you know it makes life difficult for defenses. And part of what you know the Browns have had to work around is the limitations that Baker had, which is you need to have a kind of a perfect system for that uh, tailors to his strengths, which was you know heavy play action out of the uh, out of under center uh, and heavy sets to where you're getting um, defenses into their base personnel, uh, which can be really efficient, but you can't live out of that. You have to be more varied. And Deshaun Watson brings that to the table. Uh, let, let's get, let's get to this, man. I, I always joke with <laughs> I joke with people all the time. You know, I I, I, I it's tongue in cheek. I always say. Uh, the cap, the cap is mythical, right? Uh, uh, you know, it, it's not a myth. Yes, it's there, but the, the gymnastics that these people are able to do with the cap is so funny nowadays. I, it's just like crazy. Like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, we're the Saints are over the cap every year, and then all of a sudden, five days before the season, Saints are good, right? They tell Drew Brees or somebody restructure a deal. Um, I read something the other day that the, the with the Baker Mayfield move. The Browns are forty-one or forty-two million dollars of cap space in twenty twenty-two. Uh, in that case, um, the Browns need, or the Browns are lightest at wide receiver and defensive tackle. Do you foresee them using any of that capital, that twenty-two million or forty-two million dollars cap space, in order to improve those rosters, or you think they're okay um, and they're they're kind of have their mindset on going into uh, the season with what they got? I think their cap number is actually 48 million. Um, so it's even better than what you're, you're, you're saying there, but two things that they, I, I know that they want to do is be able to roll over as many dollars as they possibly can into next year's cap. Because if you look at next year's cap and you, you know, you say this, but they're currently $31 million over the cap of all the guys that they have to pay, you know, that they obviously Deshaun Watts and Miles Garrett, uh, you know, uh, Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, those guys that just got these big extensions, Denzel Ward. So they have to be able to make sure that they can pay those guys next year as well, and they want to be able to try to roll that over. Um, would they be able to benefit and probably still use this year's cap to, to pay for, like, another wide receiver or, you know, like somebody like Ndamukong Sue? Yeah, I think that would absolutely, absolutely help them. Um, you know, this doesn't, you know, what I say – for where they're at in cap next year doesn't account for any types of cuts that they have or, um, you know, finagling of restructuring of contracts and stuff like that. Um, so I think they, they could benefit from, a uh, you know, maybe like, Oh, and Donna Sue would cost probably too much. You're probably close to like a 10 million. You don't want to, you don't want to spend that much on a, on that position. You know, I think what they see is how much does a guy like, like that really add, to the win total for them, uh, would he be a good presence in, on that field and in the locker room? Absolutely. Uh, but I think, you know, the defensive tackles, unless your name's Aaron Donald, really don't move the needle as much as, uh, you know, say, you know, like adding a, another wide receiver, say like a Will Fuller type or something. So I could see them adding, you know, the cheaper veteran type guys that would maybe garner, you know, two to $5 million, but I don't think that they'll, you'll see anything more than that because, you have to think of rolling over cash face the next year to be able to afford the guys that they, the these monster contracts that they've dealed out in the past couple of years. Uh, and uh, and I think uh, you you are correct. I think that there is a little bit of a, a thought process that you can get away with defensive tackle by committee, uh, rotating guys in there. They drafted Perry on Winfrey. I'm intrigued by him as a, as a prospect. 
Um, and obviously I talked to Mary Kay. She says Jordan Elliott is a guy that they're kind of really high on as well. You mentioned the name, a guy like Will Fuller. Um, what, you know, he's going to be hurt. I mean, that's just, there's, you know, there's three things guaranteed that, uh, you know, that Browns always play on Sunday. You got to play tax, taxes and Will Fuller going to be injured at some point. Um, what is, is, is that, is that why Will Fuller is still out there available? And do you think ultimately, um, it would help if the Browns moved him and moved and tried to get Will Fuller because at least when he plays with Deshaun Watson, he seems to score a lot of touchdowns and get deep. Yeah, I, exactly. I think he's a he's an excellent player when he's on the field. And the the issue is with him is he's injured a lot, and that is a, probably a reason that he hasn't been signed yet. Is he's probably asking for too much money for what he's he's probably worth. Because he's just not available for you can't you can't rely on that guy to be available for you know 17 games and then hopefully also you know you make the playoffs and he's available for the playoffs so it's it's the risk that you're taking with with a guy that you know you don't know if he's going to be on the field and I, I do know that the Browns like their wide receiver room they they've talked about it ad nauseum that they like the guys that they they've brought in you know they obviously traded for Amari Cooper who's who's as reliable as they come when it comes to being on the field. Uh, David Bell is a guy that they're really high on. You've heard Kevin Stefanski talk about him and rave about him. So, And they they've they probably believe that, you know, you don't because they have Deshaun Watson, he's a guy that's going to be elevating the rest of that team, and especially those receivers like Donovan Beeple-Jones and Anthony Schwartz. They, they probably think that uh, the improvement at the quarterback position is going to be enough to elevate those those wide receivers. And, you you've got your top tier guy in, in in Amari Cooper. They're probably hoping that David Bell can kind of step in and, and kind of do some of the things that Jarvis Landry did. And uh, you know he's going to be ultra reliable with his hands. He's not going to drop passes and stuff. So I, you know, I, do I think that they they should have a better wide receiver room? Absolutely. They they need to improve on you know maybe a veteran presence where you've had some kind of type of good play from him. Um, but they. You know they seemingly like the guys that they have, and maybe they're waiting to trade Baker Mayfield before making a, a new signing of, of a wide receiver. John, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I appreciate you as always, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, my pleasure, G. Bush. You have a great rest of your weekend.